Welcome to the Power Play Podcast, where international cricketer Kyron Powell and marketing genius Jordan Shannon join forces, bringing you captivating conversations with the biggest players in cricket and business. Join us as we dive into the lives of current stars in the cricketing world, the legends before them, and those extraordinary icons whose performances changed the game in both cricket and business. Exploring journeys both on and off the pitch, the boardroom, and everything in between. Get ready for an exhilarating blend of cricket, life, and business insights with two insatiably passionate, infuriatingly no-holds-barred hosts who, unfortunately for the rest of us, live and breathe this stuff for a living. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 15 of the Power Play podcast. I'm Jordan Shannon, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Kyron Powell. How are you, Kai? I'm all right, Jordan. How are you? Yeah, good. Um, loving this weekend's cricket results, as I bet you are. Um, obviously, a uh, bit of a... Well, a massive surprise on the England side of things, obviously, with, with during that, especially after the first innings, and you know, superb performance from the West Indies. Yeah, it was two two amazing um, cricket matches and a great advert for, I guess, Test cricket. And yeah, it goes to show why Test cricket is still the number one form of the game. You know, you saw all all manners of people around the world commenting yeah. on, on on both results actually and even players in the various T20 leagues and stuff you know uh, I guess encapsulated by how both games ended and you know just the great spectacle that yeah. these two test matches um, provided so it was, it was amazing advert for test cricket Yeah I, I think that it was and it, it goes to show that I remember last week when we were speaking, and obviously I was having a bit of a rant about England, and obviously having concerns over, um, you know, I touched on preparation a little bit, but also in terms of like concerns over the strength and depth of of England as a Test playing nation in terms of producing players. But and I remember your one of the points that stuck with me. You talked about it's five days, a lot can happen in five days. And I remember thinking to myself like, it's a full working week. You know, so much can change. And it, 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 and it that literally unfolded. It, what you talked about there, from England being so um, all over the place from a batting perspective, all over the place from a bowling perspective, to then go and produce arguably England, one of England's greatest ever wins on away soil, just go to show how much things can change. Yeah, I mean, you can you can boss a game for four days and still lose it. Yeah. Um, a team can just have one brilliant day. And yeah. things just completely shift in terms of the balance of the game. Um, having said it's five days, we also spoke about, um, is it Hartley, the left-arm yes. spinner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what a bad start he had. But yeah. I did say, you know, he 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 can dust that off and he's got a whole nother innings to yeah. come and perform. And having said that, he came and he got seven wickets in bold England to victory. Um, and kudos to him for showing that, that sort of fortitude to... Um, be able to put that behind him, part that quickly with the internet going crazy into yeah, yeah. comments and stuff that were yeah, yeah, yeah. towards him after just one innings for someone that doesn't even have much first class experience, much less test experience, and to come back. And, and, and again, that goes um, to show the type of environment that the team yeah. has as well um, to, to be able to say, you know what, we're going to continue to bowl you. 
and we're going to double down on it in second innings and back you. You know, we're going to give you opportunities to to perform and, and provide a situation where you know you'll have a fair chance of of succeeding. And and that's what he did. So you yeah. have to be, um, I guess, in awe of not just the performance, but the environment that is yeah. allowing players to continue to come in and perform like this. Even even an Ollie Pope and innings yeah. like that. Um, in India, it's, I mean, it's always difficult in India in the second innings, um, it's, but much less with, with being in the deficit of 180 plus. And in essence, he basically worked that off on his own um, and, and, and batted out of his mind. I don't think he'd have ever played in his half of that in his life, you know, and, he, and obviously he's got an amazing first class record and his test record and, and, and his confidence will grow superbly from an innings like that but to be able to pull something like that off especially after we discussed how he got out in the first innings and i remember you were saying you know he didn't look prepared and i said yeah. to you you know yeah. i said someone batting in the top order of an england team will be prepared you know it's just yeah, it's yeah. unfortunate that he got out but he will no. be prepared and he no. stopped his game plan you know he went out he stopped his game plan um backed himself and it, it, he made it look really easy, and and I mean the entire world knows that India is no. not not an easy place to bat. So kudos to him as well. No, I think that I think touching on the I thought the, the Tom Hartley one, you know his performance. What I was what I was really concerned with is obviously I thought one when Stokes backed into open the bowling in the first inning. I think it's a hell of a tough ask against the left hander. We touched on that obviously bowling against the left handers, but I think that. You made the key point there, in my opinion, which is this environment thing where he was, you know, no matter how poorly he did bowl in the first innings, there's no, there's no, there's no point moving away from that. He did. He bowled two lengths at times. I think England, one of the problems that they had is they couldn't get that man around the bat as such. They was attacking, but he, because he wasn't bowling the right lengths and the right lines, it just didn't work for him. But because of the environment that, that Ben Stokes and Brendan McCullum have, having at, at that mo- in the moment with England is that he felt that, that confidence. And I think that was a big thing for him. It allowed him to, to, to dust himself off and just go again and not have to worry about, um, you know, being whipped off after two or three O's because ultimately he bowled Paul in the thought in the first innings. Stokes stuck with him. He stuck with him because he would be, you know, after his fourth over or fifth over, the easiest thing would be to do would be to go with Joe Root from the top end against left-handers and see if something can happen. But he stuck with him. So I think that that environment comment that you make there is so such an important thing that he he he, they, he automat sorry they automatically he knows that they believe in him. I think that had a big impact. And the other thing I would rather picked up on from the, in the second innings, which I think worked in his favour, was Stokes was a little bit more defensive ultimately because of obviously they were chasing India were chasing that score. It allowed him to have a bit of a spread field at times, which I think maybe give him a little bit more confidence and a bit more protection, which then probably maybe allowed him to be a bit more attacking, knowing he had a little bit more protection as well. Um, but again, that's that's part of the tactic and that's part of the environment that that the team have at the minute, which allowed that to happen, allow that confidence to come to come through, which ultimately it did. Yeah, no, it's um, absolutely amazing what they're doing at the moment, um, and it's just exciting to see because it's going to change the way people, I guess, approach Test cricket mentally in terms of what's possible and what's not possible. Yeah, it, it may be change. 
the I guess the types of people that want to play test cricket as well because you may have some T yeah, players yeah. saying to themselves, look, this this isn't just a, a boring old grind for five days. Look, you know, this is actually proper exciting stuff and we can play our own styles of cricket, um, provided the environment is conducive to I guess different types of play and just supporting individuals. I mean, I think in general, in, in life, uh, much less in sport and in cricket, the people that are successful are the ones that have been given that environment where they're allowed to explore and be comfortable in, yes. in, in making mistakes and learning from their mistakes as opposed to people that are in situations where it's, it's sort of a stead, stead and hard, hard situation where, like, you know, you, you just, you have to do this, you have to do that. Yes. Anytime you're in that situation, like, you know, that actually leads to more mistakes, which then leads to more ridicule. Yeah. Um, and so it's just it's just amazing to see that something as simple as providing an environment where it's okay if you fail, we're not going to kill you, we're not going to be down, and we will lose matches, but we will win more matches because okay. it's okay if you Yeah. You know, that, that, that takes away the tension from the entire environment and you see performances like like what we're getting. Yeah, definitely. And then, obviously, on the on the Olive Hope display, I was, you know, yeah, I suppose I did, you know, I happily eat my words in this situation. But I was obviously disappointed with how he got out because I did feel he was a little bit, you know, um, you know, a bit ploddy in in the conditions, and you leave yourself open to a little bit of of what happened. But I think to come out in under because he was he was due a score. He sorry, not necessarily due a score. He needed a score really as well. He's been under pressure. Um, you know, as well, and 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 there was a lot of rumours in the in the press around here, sorry, in the UK, that he was only in the team because he was vice captain, or the impact he has as a, as, a, as a senior member of the team and such. So I think it was great for him to go and show that. And I'll happily hold my hands up and say, you know, I got it wrong from the comment regarding um, preparation. I know you, like you said, you the hundred percent they're going to be prepped, but he was superb, and I think he showed as well that the idea of him playing that reverse sweep. And he came out and said it was it was actually a way of being a bit defensive as well. It, you know, it, it was it, it allowed him that confidence, and it was not necessarily the, the way he allowed him to express himself by playing three sixty and, and the way like that. I thought it was really, really, really impressive. And it's quite funny, really, because I texted you on Sunday, yeah, Sunday morning, saying, "Oh, you know, which one was the was the greater achievement?" And I kind of got a laughing response back and saying, "Well." You know, it's definitely going to have to be that Ollie Pope's knock, which is, you know, it was just superb. Yeah, I think um, live by the sword, die by the sword. You know, he's he's prepared himself to go out and play. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, obviously, it came off now, so it's it's all fine and well to say well done to him. Yeah. If it come off, judging by this England regime at the moment, he'd still back himself to go second, third, fourth, fifth match and play. Yeah. Exactly the same, and that's yes. that's the even more impressive thing that you get an extended run to, I guess, sort of express yourself in a manner that you see fit. Um, so yeah, well, well done to Ali Pope. It was an amazing innings. Um, one ninety six. I guess the only thing sort of missing is to get that double yeah. century. Yeah, a lot of partners at the end, and just trying to push on a bit more. You can't necessarily. Knocking too hard for that. Um, no. The innings of all was was an amazing innings, and what definitely he single handedly won England in a Test match. Yeah, and the, the confidence that'll instill throughout the squad as well will be massive. 
Um, you know, not only his own confidence, but the team around, you know, wh whether it be Ben Ducky at the top of the order or in, in Zach Crawley, there'll be players now who'll be thinking, you know what, keep backing myself. You talk about the environment, the senior team and the, the coaches and, 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 and Ben Stokes will be around the this group of lads and showing, obviously, that we've got the backing and they've got support. And I, I do think he'll rub off. I do still, don't get me wrong, I don't see England coming away, you know, victorious in this series. Um, I do still think it's a, it's going to be really really tough. We spoke about how long a, how long a test match is. Never mind five test matches of five days. It's a lot of cricket and a lot of um, you know things that will you know change and crop up and um, different sort of wickets, which sort of leads me on to the second test in terms of um, well you know it looks like well England are definitely forced to make one change. Um, Jack Leach has ruled himself out with injury. Uh, and then obviously India are, are going to lose to Deja, which is obviously massive on both fronts. Well, all three, because he's unreal in the field as well. And KL Rahul. So there's going to be some changes for both. And some of the some of the noise around is whether they're going to go with a full spin attack. But then I, I was reading, obviously, the conditions do seem to favour a little bit of uh, a bit of sea movement. So it might be interesting to see whether Anderson comes into the side. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't followed the build-up for the second test um, that much, if I'm going to be totally honest. Um, but um, I wouldn't be one in favour of a full spin attack. Um, no. Because obviously in the first innings, I mean, even if it spins on day one, you, you still want to have at least the option for a bit of a change-up, even yeah. if it's just one, um, to provide something different. And as you said, if, if there is a bit of seaman offer, I think definitely Anderson comes into play. Um, Mark Wood can take a bit of a rest and sort of freshen up for, I guess, the third or fourth test, whichever one sort of suits um, having a, a seamer come back in, whether it's a seamer friendly deck or whether it is a, a brisket deck where Mark Wood would be able to get some reverse swings. So I guess these are things that England are weighing up at the moment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that. Um, you know the the issue regarding the visa that we spoke about last week. Shoah Bashir, he's he's in in India now, so he's um, could potentially come into the side, and um, he offers the same. I'm sure he's a similar sort of height to Tom Hartley as well. So, be interesting to see whether they, they look at, at bringing in him himself, rather sorry uh, Bashir, rather than and maybe go with Rest Ray and Ahmed because I know he did struggle a little bit um, during the first test. So, it'd be interesting to see what happens and and. Um, the, and who India bringing? Because I know that there's rumours around Safras Khan coming in for India, who averages something just like I'm sure it's like sixty eight or sixty nine in first class. It's phenomenal. Um, so I'm actually really looking forward to seeing him, you know, come into the Test arena, see how he goes. Because I've heard a lot about him um, in India and in the Ranji Trophy and stuff. So you know, I'll go to the second Test. I'll be interested interest to see how it goes. Yeah, no, it's um, interesting because India's obviously lost KL Rahul as well. Uh, yeah. Which is going to be them, along with Jadeja. And obviously, Brad's not potentially back until the earliest um, third test match. Third test, yeah, that would be earliest, yeah. Opportunity for England here to try and go 2 0 up in, in what is historically a very tough touring place for. Not only England, but most teams, if not all teams. Um, so, great opportunity for them. And obviously, with the World Test Championship, um, great opportunity to, yeah. to snatch away from home as well, which are going to be extremely invaluable. So, no, that's going to be 
interesting second match and looking forward to, I guess, seeing some more riveting test cricket. No, definitely. It's something obviously we'll touch on next week as well. So that leads us on to the the next phenomenal test match that uh, occurred this weekend and, um, you know, a historic win in the Gabba for the West Indies. Yeah, it's just... It's not, it's not only just, um, I guess, guess what happened, but I guess the manner in which it, it sort of unraveled. I mean, the first time that the West Indies have won a test match in Australia for 27 years or something, uh, yeah. which is mind-blowing. Myself, I've never played a test match in Australia, um, so I'm not, I'm not a part of that history, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's, that's um, it was absolutely amazing. I mean, it, it, it instilled a, a reinvigorated a, a, a passion or a hunger to want to play cricket in me. Um, having having looked at that game, you know, like the way and I guess obviously the team had lots of bits and pieces like um, performances guys chipping in, but the way Shamar um, Joseph performed in in that second innings, having not even taken as close to the ground apparently he wasn't even supposed to be there on that last day. Um, the physio had just told him to come down and support the guys um, and they sort of tricked him to coming down to the ground and then gave him whatever miracle magic shot they gave him and got him got, like numbed his toe because remember his toe was split in half yeah to the Yorker the, to start Yorker and then for him to run in 12 over straight and bowl quicker and quicker yeah. as a spell on Let's not forget that it was 35 degrees with 95% humidity in mm. Brisbane. So it was great conditions. But I guess, I mean, as, as we learn more and more about Shamar Joseph, because remember that was only his seventh first-class game as well. Phenomenal. Uh, which is his second test match. He's got two five-wicket halls in two test matches. He's played, I think, two 18 matches. He's only played three genuine first-class games. Um, it's amazing and he's so he's, he's obviously a genuine wicket taker um, at an early stage of his career I can honestly say I don't know much about him as I said look, we played against them last season um, didn't get many wickets in the match I think he actually got dropped after that match and then he came back in towards the end of the season wow. um, so yeah it's been an interesting rise um, for, for a guy that clearly has like immense raw talent um, to be able to to come onto the scene and and do what he's doing. Um, yeah. And, I mean, obviously we're going to say it's it's just happened overnight, which, I mean, it has been quick, but in seven games, he's got four or five big hauls, so he's in pretty much every opportunity he's gotten, he's, yeah. he's taken with. And so, it's amazing to see. Um, hopefully he continues to I guess grow, um, yeah. and and hopefully you know that they they can find some sort of balance where they keep him um, in West Indies cricket because obviously T Twenty leagues are going to come well, knocking. They come knocking already. Um, he's missing IL T Twenty, but he's going to PSL, um, and so you know we, we I, well I would hope, and I'm sure the region would hope that there's a way that I guess West Indies cricket can sort of keep him fresh. Um, because his his attribute, apart from his his skills of moving the ball, is his pace, and he really yeah. bowled quick. And so you want to keep that pace up for as long as possible, and and have him serve West Indies cricket 
the the way the likes of I guess Pat Cummins, Mitchell Stark, yeah. Hazelwood, and boys yeah. are able to sort of I guess find that balance in going to the IPL but still representing Australia and always seeming to be fit at every single point through every single form every of single, Australia. Yeah, yeah, he never seems to pick up anything, does he at all? It's these, you know. I just I, like you know touching there on on um, the outside, not necessarily the, the situation regarding who's playing for the West Indies. I just hope that they they do look after him in that respect, where he can go and and play, um, you know, in these franchise tournaments. But also, he's looked after in a way where there's not, you know, not sometimes you read about these situations where there's burnout and stuff. And I think that, you know, we need. I think that with this situation and, and how he's come onto the, into the international arena that he's able to sort of keep going and, and, and look after him in, in that respect. And I hope that, you know, these people, uh, the powers that be at, at West Indies cricket can, can look after him really, because there's no doubt you've got, you've got a good player there. Yeah. I hope that they um, put him on central contract immediately. Um, yeah. Cause I'm well, obviously he wouldn't have been on central contract. I'm not even sure if he's on, they got retained with, with the Guyana cricket um, franchise. Right. I hope that the West Indies cricket board put him on contract um, forthwith and, and sort of get him sorted out. I mean, the more you learn about his story, I mean, he's from an island that I think they said it's like two days to get to in Guyana, um, which is, I mean, Guyana is a pretty massive place. And they didn't have internet until like 2017 or 2018, if I'm not mistaken, mm. where he's from. So, I mean, this is this is someone that's grown up pretty much very old school. Um, yeah. Ins and ways of, of, of living in, in, in a modern this. So, I mean, even something as simple as or what, let me not say as simple as what is deemed as simple as for most cricketers traveling. And like going to Australia or whatever, this would be something so foreign and yeah. far-fetched, obviously coming from those situations. So, I mean, it's it's not only a matter of, I guess, nurturing him in terms of how much cricket he plays, yeah. but obviously being exposed to the world now and everything coming yeah. at him, that's something that also needs to be, I guess, monitored and managed. Managed, um, he's got to say that. Yeah, that's what you need, yeah. Yeah. You know, you need that support and looked after really with that. And I hope that, you know, is he? Do you know if he's part of the um, the Guyana four day team? Has he been selected? Well, he was um, a part of it last year, but obviously he's going to um, the PSO. So I think they've given him that time off to be right. able to go and in in the PSL instead of um, playing four day cricket. Which right. I mean, there's he's, he's gonna play the next series. West Indies, but yeah. I'm pretty sure, but. So um, it makes sense allow him to go and um, make some money in the PSL and, and obviously get that exposure and opportunity, which yeah. possibly and most likely will lead to some sort of opportunity in the IPL at this yeah. stage based on so far. No, which is you know which is great for and we we touched on it last last week as well about um, Australia who got picked up in the. Than the BPL and how all of a sudden you know your springboard opportunities go and it's a similar situation here but you know on the but probably on the greatest scale in the Test match arena so it's great to see these successes from from um, you know come about and how it can open to opportunities and things so I just wanted to ask you as well how do you 
the the I know it's a separate side in terms of the red ball and the white ball, but obviously the the ODI series starts uh, Friday well Friday their time through the night, obviously the UK and and, and where he, in Sri Lanka and stuff. But do you think that the the knock on effect confidence wise will will set this series up quite nicely now? Hundred percent, because Australia um, will want will be wanting to bounce back from that and. Yeah. and I guess, show that they're a higher-ranked team. But the West Indies, one-day team, and T20 team have been playing good yeah. um, cricket for for the past year or so. Um, T20 yeah. team, I think, went unbeaten all of last year in terms of series. Um, and the one-day team, obviously, led by um, our very own Shay, um, have been going very well as well. So um, it's going to be an interesting series, I guess, if at the very least the girls will, will take motivation from from that and, and yeah. want to leave Australia on a positive note as well for their respective formats. Um, I'm, I'm surprised someone like a Shama Joseph obviously is injured, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to see him around one day in T20 cricket pretty soon as well um, for the West Indies, obviously based on his exploits in, in test cricket. Yeah. Um, so, I mean... Yeah, the, the, the one-day team should be looking to, I guess, right off of the high that West Indies cricket is on at the moment. Yeah, um, yeah. But also understand that Australia will be coming in hot um, with, with, with expectations of avenging um, what was, in their eyes, a loss that they probably wouldn't have seen coming. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I just wanted to ask you quickly, if... Obviously, this is irrelevant because he obviously is injured. If Shamar Joseph wasn't injured, do you think there would have been a way for for the West Indies to manoeuvre him into the setup, or would he because they've already picked a squad? Is he already, you know, is he, would he just not be able to take place? I think they'll have just been able to add him to the squad. If yeah, anything. right, okay, so it'd be simple as that. It'd have just been just adding another player to the squad, right. um, something as simple as that. Would they have done it? I'm not sure, right, um, but. I do expect that it will, or he will be included in future squads in the near future. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, injured, unfortunately, he misses out at the moment, but we've hopefully, everything being equal, we've got a lot of him to see in the the future. No, definitely. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. I mentioned our very own Shay. I'm looking forward to seeing, um, you know, the progression from, um, than beating England um, and performances against England were impressive. I know England probably weren't at the races, but you can only beat what's in front of you at the end of the day. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that how how that goes and and um, yeah, look forward to that. Over and we can discuss that over the next few weeks as well. Slightly uh, off topic in terms of how obviously discussing cricket, but I wanted to ask you from from someone who who plays at elite level sport that. The current situation regarding Marcus Rashford at, at Manchester United, um, you know, there's obviously a few issues that are potentially going on off the field with him missing training, um, partying a bit too too much, and um, he's he's the highest paid player within Manchester United. Um, he's was arguably one of our uh, Manchester United's better players uh, last season, and now it's. You know, in, in sort of his professionalism towards training, his professionalism towards his attitude um, within the team is seems to be having a knock-on effect throughout the whole club. And I wanted to ask you how you would feel 
in that environment as being a member of a team where someone isn't pulling their weight as such, but also like the impact it probably has within a team environment where someone is quite clearly, you know, you know, probably taking the mick a little bit in terms of how he's carrying himself. Yeah, I don't, I don't really stand for that kind of stuff, to be fair. Um, when I'm in a team and generally throughout my career, I've been, when it comes to my professionalism and, and, and the way I carry, carry myself in terms of getting my work done, like nothing gets in the way or messes with my my um, professionalism. Right. If, if, if a guy wants to party or do whatever, um, that's either here or there for me. That doesn't affect me as long as you're able to do your job um, yeah. and do your job at a high standard then what you do with your personal time and your personal life um, is completely up to you once it starts affecting the team then you know it's time for a sit down you know we've, we've got yeah. to address this and this is something that's um, surprising because um, you look at the season that Rashford had last year and I guess the, the takeaways that he'd have had the season before that, um, obviously with Cristiano being at the club and yeah. obviously the way he spoke about the impact that Cristiano had yeah. on him as a person uh, in terms of professionalism and stuff, this is not something that you'd expect because yeah. if it's if it's one thing that we have come to know about Cristiano Ronaldo is that nothing gets in the way of his, his football and he's the ultimate professional yeah. when it comes to um, his preparation, his play, his recovery, etc., etc. Um, yeah. And so yeah. this, this, this seems to be something that is, um, I guess, a pandemic within Man United. You know, um, it it seems to be a plague where it doesn't matter what manager goes in, um, the players seem to, for whatever reason, have this level of of power throughout the. Um, throughout the organization. Um, and I think that, you know, it's, it's going to stop now with, with, I guess, this new part ownership. Yeah, the NES takeover, yeah. And the new the, the new director of um, football that's coming in. So, mm. I mean, these guys, I think lots of guys are going to be, I guess, sent on their way, um, which, I mean, which is fair. As, as a Man United supporter, we, we're not necessarily winning anything or we haven't been winning anything for a long time. And so when you see guys getting paid, get, I guess, in the upper echelons or the upper brackets yeah. of, of the sport, yeah. um, compared to other clubs that are doing a lot better, um, it, it, it begs to warrant questions from, from not only supporters, but from ownership as to why, you know, um, at the very least, you, you're not having, I guess, guys operate in a professional manner and, yeah. You know, coming coming into training, doing the basics, doing the right things, um, and and putting on professional displays, not only on the field but in training and and throughout throughout their daily lives and how they carry themselves. Yeah, I, d- I think that sort of relating to what we spoke about before in terms of the England cricket team, they've got an environment at the minute which is extremely positive, extremely supportive in terms of performance. So what they what they expect. I think within Manchester United at the moment they've they've lost this um this this high level of performance and that's not just from everything on the pitch it's everything off the pitch it's the way that they carry themselves and I think it's actually quite a toxic environment 
um, regarding you know um, in the difference with England cricket team at the minute, which is all um, you know positive. I think Manchester United is quite toxic, and I think there's a lot of stuff that's going on behind the scenes there, which is causing you know a knock on effect. And I think that you made a point there with you know each player can only look each player can always look after and maintain their level of professionalism and do what they need to do whether that's you know in, in certain cricket circumstances whether that's hitting an extra 100 200 balls after your session or whether it's bowling or catching or whatever that may be you maintain that I just think that Manchester United and, and especially Marcus Rashford in this situation we're talking about has lost his way in terms of of that professional aspect um, and the standards which have been set um, from from Manchester United, not only um, under eight ten hard, but have been set for the, you know for 150 years. These are you know these are values that should be instilled in um, in, in you know take football out. It's, it's within business. Manchester United is ultimately is a business, and the values have, have been been set by some fantastic leaders. Um, and unfortunately, we are you know the club are losing the way a little bit with that. And I just wanted to get your opinion on obviously the 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 way that certain players if you know in your situation and how you'd go about it I, I know I, I appreciate your insight there where you're saying about you'd have to sit them down and try and and thrash it out and I just I hope that within that within the club at the minute they've got players who maybe have that leadership aspect where they could sit Marcus Rashford down or sit whoever it be and you know and try and work something out because at the end of the day going back to England you want that positive environment and you want that environment that allows you to, players to perform at, at, the, at the maximum capability yeah, um, it's it's an it's an interesting one because you've seen lots of former Manchester United players, legends, etc., speak on I guess the the culture and the atmosphere yeah. and the environment within the club at the moment, and it's not what it used to be. And obviously, um, Sir Alex Ferguson was a monumental figure within um, not only just the club but within the game, and so it's it's been quite a task replacing him, and we've had some amazing managers with you know amazing resumes come through after him but obviously no one's I guess had the time the backing um, the players uh, a combination of all yeah there's a lot of sort of start, start start putting things in in, in place and, and, and making a change um, I think ownership sort, sorts of needs to find a manager that they think yeah. is someone that, you know, can be be here for the next 10, 15 years, back that person and then start getting rid of um, the players that they sort of need to get rid of and start building a squad. Because I think at the moment, lots of lots of players use Man United as sort of a payday and a holiday. You know, yeah. you know when you come to Man United, the clubs that are selling you are going to sell you for extra because you're going to Man United, so you've got the money. Yeah. Um, and these guys aren't going to work as hard because they just see it as a holiday, whereas it's supposed to be you coming to the best club in England and one of the best clubs in in Europe and you're looking to compete um, for the Champions League and definitely win the Premier League every year. But I don't think that's the the environment or the atmosphere or the feel around Man United at the moment. No, no, no. And like I said, I'm just, you know, I wanted to speak to you about that because of someone who plays elite level sport and you know, we could. I could be here all night talking about the the uh, everything. I don't think uh, we have enough time in the day to discuss that. But we can definitely. You know, I wanted, like I said, I wanted to get your opinion on on, on that professionals and aspects. I know it's something that you feel so strongly about, and something that you carried yourself um, at that level of professionalism for you know during the whole of your career. So I wanted to ask you that. But I also wanted to ask you a little bit 
about the Super Bowl. I know you're a bit of an NFL fan. So what what do you take? Um, you know, with that, it's next next weekend, isn't it? Next Sunday, is it? Yeah, eleventh. Eleventh, yeah. Absolutely um, thrilled. Kansas City Chiefs back in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Wasn't looking very likely halfway through the season. Um, went on a bit of a losing streak there, but I think um, when when teams just have that that know how. Um, that yeah. situational awareness and obviously that experience, they've done it before. I guess sort of what, like what you have with Australia in, in cricket and cricket yeah. World Cups in particular. Um, they just they just find a way to get it done um, yeah. regardless of what resources they have available to them at the time, what what the game situation is. Um, Patrick yeah. Mahomes, I think, is generational type talent um, and Travis Kelsey as well. Um so it's going to be an interesting match because the 49ers have got a very stacked team all around. But, I mean, you, you can't rule out the Kansas City Chiefs defending champions who found themselves against all odds yeah. back in the Super Bowl again. Um, and I'm really, really excited about it, looking forward to it because, I mean, it's it's the most watched sporting event, single event in the world. It's amazing. Uh, it is amazing. Yeah, and to have to have the Chiefs back in the finals again um, after Patrick Mahomes won on pretty much one leg last year. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. No, no, definitely. Um, yeah, I've been looking forward to to watching the highlights or watching it only staying up during the night, I don't think, but I'm looking forward to that. I'm sure we can discuss that um, over the next couple of weeks. But thank you very much for tonight, Kai. It's been great to listen to, as always, and thanks for your insights. No, it's done. Thanks for having me again. Cheers. Speak to you soon. Cheers. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Power Play podcast, hosted by Kyron Powell and Jordan Shannon. We hope you enjoyed this immersive dive into the world of cricket and business, exploring the unique experiences and perspectives of players past and present, alongside those invaluable insights into intriguing business themes that transcend beyond the boundaries of sporting heroics. Be sure to set your reminders on your Alexa or Google Home device. Or we won't tell anyone if you still use those paper calendar things from a bygone era. Join us next time for more inspiring dialogue with scintillating minds on the Power Play podcast. <laughs>